chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. I'm going to begin there in verse 8 this morning. Philippians chapter 3. And we'll begin there in verse 8. Philippians chapter 3. And we'll begin there in verse 8 and uh, go to about verse 13 or 14 this morning. Philippians chapter 3, and we'll begin there in verse 8. I've entitled the message, Transformation Day. Transformation Day, Philippians chapter 3 and verse 8. Uh, as we end uh, the year of 2020 and get ready to begin the year of 2021, there are lots of folks that are setting goals and doing different things in their life, perhaps to transform themselves, uh, whether it's physically, spiritually, emotionally, financially, whatever it is, folks have different goals that they have set uh, and that they are trying to accomplish. And I know that 2020 has been a trying year for many of those types of things. Uh, however, just because there has been challenge and difficulty doesn't mean we still cannot excel. Uh, and I think that sometimes, even though we may face challenges and difficulties, uh, sometimes those challenges and difficulties can be a stepping stone to achieve greater things. Uh, and so let us not just consider the challenges that we have faced in this year and maybe even perhaps in 2021 as we come around, uh, that they are just walls that stand in our way when perhaps we can view them as really uh, objects to help uh, increase our strength and increase our faith to help us to be uh, victorious and to be better in the next year. Uh, you know just as well as I do that it's usually those times whenever we face difficulties that we become stronger. Uh, we tend to use our minds uh, a little bit more and to increase in uh, wisdom and knowledge and how to overcome the obstacles that we face. And so just because things get tough doesn't mean that uh, that it's over? Does it mean that uh, it's time to give up? Does it mean that uh, we can't, uh, does it mean we can't be victorious? And so as we leave 2020 and get ready for 2021, what are some things that we can do? And I believe we can see some good things in Philippians chapter 3 and in verses 8 to 14, some things that we can apply to our life uh, that I think will definitely help us. And so let's begin there in verse 8. And let's pull some truths out this morning that I believe that we can use uh, in our life to help us to, uh, to be victorious in the year that is coming. The Bible said there in verse 8, in Philippians chapter 3, Yea, doubtless, the Apostle Paul speaking, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ, Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I may win Christ." There in verse 8, one of the things that we see, of course, as Paul and even in the verses prior to this, as he has been listing a number of different things that, uh, as far as earthly things that he could rely on that maybe to the world would show some sort of greatness in him. But as he examined these things in his life, the things that he got out of this world, whether it was to be a Pharisee or living by this, by doing everything he can to live strictly by the law and so forth and so on, by doing all these ritualistic things or doing, uh, doing the best that he could to be seen uh, as, uh, as great in the eyes of men. When he thought about all those things, he said, you know what, really all of that means nothing. And as he looked there in verse 8, he says, doubtless I count all things but loss. For the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. 
And so what did he do there in verse 8? One of the very first things that he did was, of course, he understood as he was transforming himself and his idea was to transform himself to be, of course, and this is for all of us, to be transformed into uh, a greater knowledge of our Savior, to be more like Him. That is our goal. That is our purpose as Christians is to follow Him and to be more like Him with each passing day, to grow in the knowledge and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so there in verse 8, one of the things that he did was, he says, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss. But I want you to notice there in verse 8, and of course you'll see in the preceding verses, verses 8 all the way to 14, you'll see a, a common word that comes up, and that word is I. And what he did was, was he focused on himself. You know, I think one of the reasons why sometimes we don't do as good in life as we would like to is because we lose, we lose concentration of ourselves when we get focused on everybody else. And we start looking at everybody else. So what is he doing? What is she doing? Oh, what is he not doing? And what is she not doing? And, and, and we, we get so focused and concentrated on, on other people. We get so focused and concentrated on other things out here in this world when really the focus, all that we really need to be concerned about and looking to is the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, he is, he is the one that we're following. He is the one who is guiding us and leading us. And so he is the one that we are striving to be more like, not like everybody else. And so I think one of the things that uh, helps us to, uh, that, that helps to hinder our life is the fact that we focus more on what everybody else thinks, what everybody else says. We focus more on how everybody else is acting and what they're doing and what their, uh, what their, what their maybe what their sins are, what their faults are, or, or whatever it is. We focus more on those things instead of saying, you know what, I got some problems of my own. And I tell you what, when you really start doing some self-examination, you really start saying, I really ain't got time to look at nobody else. Because when you really start doing some self-examination and we really start looking at our inner selves and we see all the work that we need to do, it's kind of hard to focus so much energy on everybody else's faults. It's kind of hard to focus so much energy on everybody else's wrongdoings or everybody else's uh, uh, issues because we have so many of our own. But we can get so sidetracked in our life. And listen, the devil would love nothing more than you to get so sidetracked on everybody else and thinking about everybody else's issues and their problems. And I'm not, listen, I'm not saying we don't care about people and love people and try to help you. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that sometimes we get so consumed in our life by uh, letting uh, and being discouraged in our hearts by what other people are doing or not doing or, or, or whatever that we don't allow ourselves to continue to reach forward for the things that God has uh, for the things that God has for us. And so what Paul did there in verse eight and, and the preceding verses, uh, I mean the verses after that, and even before, is that he continues to use the word I. And that what he was doing was, was he was examining himself. This is what I need to do. This is how I need to live. I, these are the things that I've accomplished. These are the things that I've done. But you know what? I, I, I don't see them as worthy. Uh, they're nothing to be compared to the knowledge of Christ. They're nothing to be compared to the fellowship of the Lord. He wasn't concerned about everybody else. He was concerned about himself. He, he knew that in order for him to be the best man of God that he can be, that he was going to have to be examining himself, not everybody else. And we can waste all of our time trying to pick everybody apart, but at the end of the day, what's really going to matter, what's really going to change us is how we, what we 
uh, what we see in ourselves. I mean, we are the ones that are going to change us through, of course, the Lord Jesus and His Word. Uh, so what we have to do is we have to say, okay, what is wrong with me? What do I need to do? How can I, uh, how can I work on what's inside here? What do I need to do? I need to examine myself. And then Paul constantly uh, here in this verse and the verses after referred to himself. He says, yea, doubtless, yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. He's saying there is nothing greater than knowing who Jesus is. There is nothing greater than, than having fellowship with him and knowing him and, and knowing everything that I can about him. There is nothing greater than that. And so everything that I have ever done in my life, everything that I even know in life is really nothing compared to him. Now, I tell you what, we can spend all of our time and effort and money trying to know things in this world. Listen, there's nothing wrong with, there's nothing wrong with having sense. There's nothing wrong with learning things. There's nothing wrong with uh, uh, being intelligent and smart. I, listen, I think we ought to be. But listen, there, out of all the things that there is to know in this world, if we don't know who Jesus is, then none of that other stuff is going to do us any good. If we don't know who Jesus is, if we're, if we're not in fellowship with him and we don't know him as our Savior, all these other things that we can learn in life, all these other things that we can know in life are nothing, are nothing. He says, I count it all but loss. He says, none of that means anything if you don't know who Jesus is. And he says, doubtless, I count all things but loss. And so we see there he was examining himself. But we also see the second truth is, is not only was he examining himself, but he was also uh, trying to balance things out. And when he said, I count all things but loss, he says, I count. I'm counting these things. I'm figuring these things up. I'm, I'm trying to figure these things up. I'm trying to weigh these things out. Okay, what is it that I have in my life? What is it that is in my life that is going to hinder me from being the man of God that I need to be? What is it that is in my life that's going to keep me from excelling in my Christian life? What is it that's in my life that's going to keep me from, uh, from getting close to God? What is it that is there? Is there something in my life? As he examines himself, he says, you know what? I, I, he, says, I, he says, I'm balancing things out. I'm weighing things out. And he says, and as I, as I count it up and as I balance everything in my life, I see that there is no greater thing that I could possibly do or, or no greater person I can, no greater thing I possibly do or no th greater thing I can possibly know, no greater person than it is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he says there in verse 8, yeah, doubtless I count all things but loss. So he examines himself and then he balances things out in his life. And he, as he examines himself, he begins to say, okay, what is it that's in my life that is keeping me, that is hindering my life with the Lord? You ever, you ever uh, sat down one day and you said, okay, let me balance this out. Let me weigh this out. And on this side, you began to write down all the good things about whatever it was. And then on the other side, you began to write down all the bad things or the negative things. And so as you sat there and you prayed over it and your mind stewed and brewed over it and you come up with this list of things on this side that, that would be beneficial, that would help, that would be good and things on this side that would be negative, that, that wouldn't be good. And as you looked at both sides and you begin to think and contemplate, okay, which is greater, which is the best and then you make a decision and you say, wow, I never really realized that there was so many things about this there perhaps was not good that's in my life. 
Because you know what? Until we really sit down and examine it and think about it and really try to reason it and work it out, we really don't pay any attention to it. And we just kind of go on with life. We just kind of do our thing, you know. But until we actually sit down and we actually begin to write it out and actually begin to think about it and pray about it and say, okay, Lord, what is it that's in my life as I examine it? Let me count these things up. What is it that is hindering my fellowship with you? Uh, I mean, I, I, Paul had done some great things in his life as far as the world was concerned. I mean, as far as religion's concerned. I mean, he was, uh, he was uh, probably at the pinnacle of, of, uh, of the religious system as maybe the Pharisees and other people would see it and, and, and being a learned man of, of the word of God. But, but what he says, you know what, all these things that I've accomplished in my life, even through the religious, system, it is absolutely nothing. He says if you don't know who Jesus is if you don't know who Jesus is and all of it is nothing but a loss he says doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ and so he began to examine himself and then he began to count these things up. He began to balance these things out and he began to weigh these things out what is it that I really need? I mean uh, what is it that's going to benefit me more, the things in this world or the things of Christ? What is it that's really going to what is it that's really going to give me glory at the very end? I mean, I can receive the praise of men and I can do good out here in this world and be the best speaker or be the uh, try to be the best uh, runner or try to be the best at whatever I, that, that I want to be, swimmer, whatever it is, and I can receive my trophy and I can receive the praise of men and, and I can do all those things. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with any of that, uh, really neither. I'm just saying that if that's all that we desire, if that's all that we want, then I tell you what, we've really missed it because the greatest thing that we can really hear is when you get to heaven and the Lord Jesus says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Now, man, there's nothing wrong with <laughs> nothing wrong with being smart by no means, nothing wrong with being intelligent, we ought to be. There's nothing wrong with uh, being athletic and winning things or, you know, whatever it is and receiving the trophies and the medals, nothing wrong with that whatsoever. But there's nothing that's greater. There's nothing that's greater than hearing Jesus say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. That right there is the greatest accomplishment. That's the greatest goal. And to stand before the Lord Jesus and He give us the crowns that we have received and then we in turn cast them before His feet. What greater joy, what greater joy, what greater accomplishment could, could there possibly be? I mean, there's nothing in this world that could amount to that. And the Bible says, he says, Yet doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. There's nothing greater than knowing who Jesus is and we'll spend all kinds of money knowing so many other things and spending all kinds of money sending our kids to know so many other things, but we'll forget to teach them the most important person they could ever know, and that's Jesus. We can spend so much time with our kids helping them to become great in uh, physical ways or athletic ways. We can spend all of our time helping them and training them in so many ways. But if we don't train them about Jesus, we've missed it. The Bible says in verse 8, Yea, doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung. He says, you know what? All these things... 
that I have accomplished in my life as far as the world is concerned. All these things that who I am, all these things as the world looks at me and they and as I look at my accomplishments that I had in the world, he says, you know what, they're really, he says, when I compare them to the glories of heaven, he says, it's nothing. Because when I get to heaven, the Lord's not, I don't think, going to be so concerned about whether or not I was the greatest speaker or whether or not I was the greatest swimmer, but he's going to be more concerned about what did I do with him. What did I do with him? That's what's going to mean more than anything in the world. And the Bible says, so we see the first truth is, if we're going to, be, if we're going to have a transformation day, what's what we're going to have to do? We're going to have to examine ourselves. Stop examining everybody else. Examine yourself. We've got enough work to do on ourselves. Next thing we've got to do is we've got to, do the, we, we've got to count. Uh, we've got to do the balance that. Weigh things out. What is it that's hindering you in your spiritual life? What is it that's keeping you? Uh, from, uh, from attaining victory. We all have those things. The book of Hebrews talks about it as well. Those things that, uh, uh, those sins that easily beset us and then just weights in our life that keep us from moving forward. So what else do we see? He says not only do we see examine ourselves, not, not only do we see counting, uh, but he also says uh, there in verse 8, the middle part of the verse, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and to count them but dung that I may win Christ. What is it that he seeks to do? His goal, ultimately, his goal is to have victory. He wants to win Christ. Now, he's already saved. He's already saved. And, 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 and so that goal, of course, has already been accomplished. But what he desires to do, and not just to win Christ to be saved, but it's to win Christ in the idea of that you not just possess him, but you know everything that you can about him. Because that's what it is that he wants to do. His goal is to win. His goal is to have victory. And listen, there's a lot of people that are in this world this morning, uh, in churches across the world this morning, that they, they desire to have spiritual victory in their life. And it seems like... Like it, constantly, uh, like it constantly evades them. Why is that? I mean, there are things in our life that, that we have to make sure that we're examining. There are things in our life that we have to make sure that we're, that we're looking at, you know, because I tell you what, we can get so busy looking at everything else. When we need to look at ourselves, uh, you know, the, the Olympic athlete or the, uh, the guy that's uh, in the gym and he's lifting weights and as he gets bigger and stronger, listen, Arnold Schwarzenegger, he, he became the best because he constantly looked into the mirror as he was lifting weights and finding faults in places, looking in other places, how he needed to build himself, how he could become stronger, how he could become the greatest bodybuilder in the whole world. What did he constantly have to do? Look at himself in the mirror. That's what he had to do. Constantly look at himself. He had to constantly see where his victories were. And he had to constantly see where the areas that he was failing in his life. He had to balance things out. He had to make sure that his life was, was in a balance. And he had to make sure that there were things in his life that he was exercising discipline. Because that's where we see come to play. And in order to have victory, we have to have discipline in our life. If we want to have victory, it doesn't matter what it is. I don't care if it's something that's physical. I don't care if it's something that is spiritual. In order for us to attain victory, there must be discipline. And whenever, hey, live in the Christian life, uh, we can all bear to the fact that just living the Christian life, we know that it requires for us to be disciplined because our flesh doesn't want to be. 
Our flesh does not want to be disciplined. Our flesh wants to do what it wants to do. You know, it, it, has, it has a desire of its own. But because we are saved and we have this new nature that now lives and dwells with inside of us, this new nature has a desire to do, what the, to, uh, to do what the other nature, the fleshly nature, doesn't want to do. It has a desire to live for Christ. And so what we need to do in our life is to make sure that we maintain discipline that we examine ourselves, that we are balancing things out and counting, uh, that we are recognizing the hindrances that can be in our life so that we can do what? So that we can win, so that we can be victorious in our Christian life. And does it mean everything's always going to be perfect? Does it mean that everything's always going to go always in our favor? Does it mean there's not going to be times that come up but the challenges and giants that we face in our life that are really going to put us to the test? But what we are going to see and what we are going to experience is when those times come that it is a moment and a time of, a time of growth for us, of spiritual growth. And so the Bible shows us right here, he says, that I may win Christ. And that is his goal. That is what he desires is he desires to have victory. I, uh, my pastor back home, there was two words that he always told us that he'd cut out of his dictionary at home. And that was the words can't and impossible. Uh, he cut those two words out of his dictionary, can't and impossible. Because you know what? When you live a life that says, I can't, then you know what? You really can't. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. If you live your life and you believe that you're a failure, then that is what you'll probably be. You will fail before you ever start. You have to see the object. You have to see the goal ahead of you as I can. I'm going to talk about this tonight. But you have to see it there in front of you as it can be done, that it's not impossible. We have to step outside of the physical and say, you know what? I serve a God that can do all things, right? I serve a God that can do all things, so it is possible. I may not be able to, but he can through me. And so the objective is to win, and that's what he wanted to do. He says that I may win Christ. He wanted to know everything he could about him. He wanted to know all that he could about him. He wanted to live just like him. But notice he says also there in verse 9, he says, And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. What he wanted to do is he wanted to be seen of God as a child of God. He wanted to, now he knew he didn't have any righteousness of his own. He knew that there was nothing in him that was good. Uh, but what he wanted to do was he wanted to be seen through Christ as a child of God. He wanted the righteousness of Christ to, to possess him. He wanted the righteousness of the Lord to live inside of him and to be seen as a child of God. There in verse 10 he says that I may know him. That I may know him. What's, uh, not only do we want to have victory and attain victory in our Christian life, and we can do that by being transformed, but, we can, but what's part of the goal? Uh, it is to know him, as I said, to experience Christ. 
Not just to know about him, not just to hear his name said, or not just to, uh, not just to see other people have an experience of the Lord, but he says, I want to experience Christ on a personal level. Not just to, not just to hear about him, and not, not, but, but, but to know him. Not just to know about him, but to know him. He says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings and be made conformable un, uh, unto his death. He says, you know what? What I want to do is I want to experience Christ in the fullest. I want to experience Christ in the fullest. I, I, I want to walk as he walked and, and to even suffer as he had to suffer. I want to know the Lord in every single way, in every fashion that I can, in every way of life. He wanted to be just like Christ, that I may know him. And that was part of his goal. And I tell you what, if that was the goal of every Christian in America, we could transform not just ourselves, but the whole country. If that was the goal of every Christian, not only would we transform ourselves, but the whole nation would transform because our goal would be the same as Jesus. And what was the main goal that Jesus had was to seek and to save that which is lost. To seek and to save that which is lost. To, to, open the, the, to open the hearts and minds of the blind so that they can see the knowledge of the truth of the gospel. And if us Christians decided to know as much about Christ as we can know and to walk uh, by his side and walk in his steps as he walked and we did all those things, then we could not only transform ourselves and not only transform our families, but we could transform the whole country and also the whole world. The whole world for Christ. So his goal was to know him. And that should be the first and foremost goal in our, in our life. I've already written down goals that I have for 2021. I'm not finished with them yet because I, oftentimes I write out many long-term goals, short-term goals things that I know that I'm going to really have to stretch to get and things that even I know that are going to be easy. You say, why do you write out easy goals? Because it makes me feel better whenever I check it off. <laughs> makes me feel like I did something. Because if I shoot all these goals out here that, I, that, it's gonna, that I'm really going to have to stretch for, and I believe we ought to do that, we really need to be stretching for them, but, but if I do all my goals like that and, and I get to the end of the year, sometimes you feel like you hadn't really done anything. So I write down goals that I know that I can attain easily and I write down goals that I know I'm going to have to stretch for and then I write down goals that, you know what? God can do the impossible. And I rejoice in every single one. And the Bible says here that his goal was to know Christ, to know him, to know all about him in every single way. Verse 11, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. And there in verse 12, he says, not as though I had already attained. So what do we see there in verse 12? He says, you know what? I want to live like Christ. I want to be like Christ. I, I want to walk in his steps. I want to know as much about him as I can. I, I want to get as close to him as I can. But I also know that, hey, I'm not there yet. I also know that I've got a lot of work to do. That's what he's trying to get. That's what he's trying to get everybody to see. Not as though I had already attained it. 
He's not saying that it's not possible. He's just saying, listen, this is what I want. This is what I desire. But I also know that I've got a lot of work to do before I get there. And the Apostle Paul even considered himself the chief of sinners among men. And I've often thought to myself, if he considered himself the chief of sinners, what in the world would I be? I don't know. They may not have a word to describe it. But there in verse 12, he says, Not as though I had already attained. Either were already perfect. He knows that he has a lot of work to do in his life. You know what? Sometimes, I, and listen, we'll let the devil do it too, uh, to us too. We'll say, well, I got so much work to do. There ain't even no point in me trying. And as soon as you said that, as soon as you said that, the devil said, yep, you're exactly right. What's the point? You done gave up before you started. I got so much work to do in my life. What? In the way? I've heard people say, preacher, if I came into the church, the whole building would fall down. And I tell them, look, if it didn't fall down when I went in there, you're going to be just fine. You'll be just fine. Listen, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, none of us is perfect. The Bible says he remembers our friend that we are, but us, listen, we're all sinners, we know it. And this is a, this is a hospital where we come in to, uh, to receive healing of the Lord and to receive his word to help us uh, today and throughout the week to be better people. And the Bible says Paul, he, he wanted to live for Christ. He wanted to do the best that he could, but he also understood I'm not perfect. I want to be like Christ, but I'm not perfect like him. But I'm going to strive to do what I can to be the man that God's called me to be and to serve in the way that God's called me to serve, whatever it is. He says, not as though I had already attained. Either were already perfect, but I follow after. He says, I'm following after him. I'm not perfect, but I'm doing everything I can. He has set the example. He's already, he's already uh, blazed the path. All I have to do is follow it. And he says, I'm going to do everything I can to follow after him. There's a lot of people following after other people. A lot of, when we look around in the world today, we see the things that our kids idolize in the world today, the people they idolize in the world today. I tell you what, we've got to be careful the, uh, the, the people that uh, our kids follow, you know. Sometimes just because they're well-known in the world and just because they say a few good things on TV for 30 seconds doesn't mean you know who they are. I mean, I'll tell you what, uh, have you ever, I'll put it like this. Have you ever been watching a movie and you said, man, I really enjoyed that movie. He was a really good actor. I really enjoyed him. I tell you what, that was a great movie. I really enjoyed him. You watch another movie, you see him in it, you say, man, that is a great actor. He seems like a great person. And then you hear him speak their mind. And you think, oh, great day in the morning. I wish I never knew it about him. Now you can't even stand to watch a TV show with him even on there because you know what he thinks. I tell you, just because we see people stand on TV or stand in popular positions of famous positions they, and they uh, give some sort of great address for 10 seconds or 30 seconds and our kids will idolize those people for that 30 second speech that they gave and don't even know who they really are. And we got to be careful for that. Because our kids will follow these people blindly just as, just as uh, many adults will follow uh, folks blindly. And, 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 what we have to, and what happens is, is you end up with the blind leading the blind. And as parents, what we have to do is 
to guide them and direct them just as our Father does for us. And he says, but I follow after. I'm following after Christ. I want to live like him. I want to be like him. I haven't attained it. I haven't got there yet. I know I've got a lot of work to do, but I want to be like him. And I want to live for him. How is our life going to be transformed in 2021 uh, if, we, if we don't follow after something different? I mean, let's think about it. We've been following so many other things in our life for so long. How, how, where has it led us? I mean, what? Uh, I have followed after this and I followed after that. I thought this was the right path and this was the path I chose and this was the path I went. So you walk on it and you follow it and you live it. Where has it taken you and what good has it done? I guarantee you there is no path that you'll find greater with more blessings and joy than the path that leads to Jesus. And there will never be a path that will be any greater than the path that leads to heaven. And in order to get heaven, you have to get to Jesus. And the Bible says, he says, but I follow after it that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. In verse 13, he says, brethren, I, they're constantly referring to himself. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. I have a lot of work to do. I know I'm not there yet. But what does he do? He says, but this one thing I do. There's something I know that I'm going to have to do in my life. And he says, I'm going to have to forget those things which are behind. Forget the things which are behind. Now, he says a couple of things there in that verse. Once, one, the first thing he says is to forget. How many of you can do that easily? I'm the only one. Okay, my wife. Me and my wife. Y'all are good. Y'all are great. So we all forget easily. But he says, one of the things I need to make sure that I'm going to do in my life, the one thing I'm going to do is I'm going to forget those things that are behind. What, what things? Well, of course, he's referring back to any accomplishments or goals that he has, of course, set in the world or how the world views him and, and all those. I got, I'm going I'm I'm to pay any attention to that. I'm going to forget all those things. But also, you know, as we apply it to our life today, we're going to need to, as we live our life, listen, there's a lot of things that's happened that really we need to just let go of. I mean, it sure is hard to reach forth. Sure, it's hard to reach forth to what Christ has for us over here when our hands are already full of so much other stuff. I mean, if I'm holding this and Jesus has something for me, how can I have what he wants me to have? What am I going to have to do with this? I'm going to have to let it go, am I not? But Jesus is standing there trying to offer us so many things and I've got my hand out and Jesus is saying, well, you're going to have to let go of that if you want me to give you what I want you to have. But we'll just look at it and say, well, I can't let go of it. I have to have it. And Jesus says, well, I can't give it to you until you let go. And what we're going to have to do is, is forget some things that need to be forgetting. Listen, there's some things we just need to forget about and just put behind us. You know, the Bible said there in verse 13, he says, this one thing I do is forget those things which are behind. You see, it's behind you for a reason. Does that make sense? It's behind you for a reason because it's already done and over with. And so what do you need to do now? You just need to keep moving forward. I mean, when you're driving down the road, you, you're driving down the road and you are on your way to wherever. You're on your way to the beach and you're thinking about the beach and you're looking forward to going to the beach. And uh, very seldom do you ever look in your rearview mirror unless you're speeding and you're constantly looking for the highway patrolman. I mean, unless that's what you do. But you can't drive to the beach constantly looking in your rearview mirror. You have to look ahead. 
But there's a lot of people that are making a wreck out of life because they are constantly living back there. Constantly living back here in the back. Well, he done me wrong. She done me wrong. He said this and she said that. Listen, they always will. It's always going to happen. And if we constantly live our life just because of what he said, she said, he done, they did, or whatever, you're never going to be able to attain what Jesus has for you right here in front of you. You're never going to make it to the beach. You're never going to make it to the goal until you leave everything else behind. Listen, it's not worth it. I mean, why hang on to what caused you pain and misery? Why hang on? To what makes you cry? Why hang on to the things that bring you down? Why hang on to the things that that hinder your life? Why hang on to the things that keep you from moving forward when God has so much better for you ahead? And yet we'll, we'll live our life driving down the road, making a wreck out of our life, continuously looking in the rearview mirror and then wondering why, wondering why Our life is a wreck, and it's because we will not let go. And Jesus can't give you what's in his hand until you let go of what's in yours. And the Bible says, This one thing I do is forget those things which are behind and reach forth unto those things which are before. And reaching forth has the idea of not only blessing, but has the idea of a future. It means God has something. God has something for you. So that reaching forth has the idea of future, has the idea of blessing, has the idea of grabbing a hold of something different, grabbing a hold of something new, grabbing a hold of something fresh. And I think there's a lot of people that need that. And he says, reaching forth unto those things which are before. He didn't say reaching forth unto those things which are behind. He says, reaching forth to the things that are before us, not behind you. In verse 14, he says, I press toward the mark. And that word press there has the idea of something that's going to give you resistance. Something that's going to be work. Something that yours may cause labor. Now, I know there's a lot of people in this world that are afraid of that. But I promise you, it will not kill you. The Bible says, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Why? He's pressing toward the mark. He he knows he's not what he ought to be for God, but he's glad that he's not what he was. But he knows he still has a lot of work to do. But he also knows, listen, in order for me to accomplish my goal, in order for me to be what I can be for God, I'm going to have to let some of these things go. I'm going to have to let all these things go, all the bitterness, all the heartache, all the sorrow, all the jealousy and envy and all those things that keep me from being the Christian that my God in heaven wants me to be, all those weights and all those besetting sins. I'm going to have to let it go because I have one goal in mind which is to press toward the mark to be like Christ to be like Jesus and he says I press towards it because he is moving towards it and he's facing resistance as he moves forward why does he face resistance because as you try to live like Christ your flesh is going to resist you the world is going to resist you you're going to face a lot of resistance as you try to live for Christ listen you can live like the devil and it ain't that hard You say, how is that? I see people do it every day. 
Listen, I've seen me do it. Listen, it's not easy. It's, it's, it's easy to be sinful. But when you try to go against the grain and you try to live the Christian life and you try to be holy as he is holy and you try to uh, do the things and live, live the teachings that Christ has taught us and be doers of the word and not just hearers only, but you become a doer of it and you apply it and practice it in your life, then that's when you see, wow, this is diff- more difficult than I thought. And he says, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And of course, what is that is to be like Him. The great prize, salvation, the great prize to know about Him, to know all about Him, to be like Him. And I don't know about you, but that's what I would like to do in this next year. And I believe, as I said already, that if every Christian would examine themselves and look and see what is it that's in my life that is hindering me and stopping me from becoming the man or woman of God that I want to be, we weigh it out and we balance it out and we lay aside all those things, forget those things that have hurt us, those things that have caused us irritation and problems and all of that and just lay all that aside, turn to Christ, focus on Him and His work and what He wants us to be and how He wants us to live then I believe we would definitely not just see ourselves change, but we, are, we would see our family change because so goes the home, so goes the nation. And not only will we change, but our family would change. Our community would transform and then our whole country would. And I don't know about you, but if you've turned on the news lately, in which I don't very much, but if you've turned it on any time lately, I believe we could all see there's some transformation that needs to take place. But it's going to start with who? God's people. God's people. What does the Bible say? If my people, if my people would seek my face, if my people would humble themselves, if my people would do these things, then I'll cleanse their land. Hey, God's looking to his people to start it, not the world. They're already lost. God's looking to us. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you so much for your blessings today. You have been far better to us than we deserve. And Lord, as we come before you this morning and we prepare to give the invitation, Lord, I pray that if there's one here today that doesn't know you as their Savior, that through the message today they can see the important need of knowing you as their Savior, that you have died on that cross to forgive them of their sins and that you are willing this morning to reach down to them, to listen to their hearts, to listen to their prayers. And if there's one here that needs to know you as Savior, Lord, that you'd show them that you're so willing and ready to save them this morning. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, nobody's looking but me and God. But as a piano plays, nobody's looking but me and God. If you'll just slip your hand up so I can see. Anybody, anywhere. I, preacher, I, I don't think I'm saved. I don't know Jesus as my Savior. I don't think I'm saved. I'm not sure if I'm on my way to heaven. Would you pray for me about that? Anybody like that this morning?
It could be that you're here today and you're saying, you know what? Uh, this year has been a tough year in many ways. And what I'd like to do is I really do need to let some things go. I mean, it could be something from two years ago, five months ago, four years ago, 20 years ago. It's just a hindrance in your life and the devil loves to bring it up to cause you sorrow and bring you pain and make you feel guilt and all those things. But understand this morning when Jesus saved you, not only did he save you from your sins in the past, but he saved you from all of your sins altogether. So walk in the joy of the Lord this morning if you're saved. Know that Christ loves you. He's willing to give you another opportunity here this morning. It could be that you're just here and you say, Preacher, you know, there's some things in my life I need to let go. I've been hanging on to it for a long time. And I just need to let go of it this morning. Do it. Do it for yourself. Do it for those that you love. Do it for your family. Do it for the Lord. Could be that you're here this morning and saying, you know what, preacher, I'm really praying that in this next year that God will move in my life and help me to be the best man or woman of God that I can be for Him. Preacher, would you help me as I pray about that? I got my hand lifted up too. Would anybody lift their hands up with me? I see you. 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 Hands up all over. Because I desire the same things that you desire. I want the same things that you want for myself and for my family, for my community, my church, my country, all these things. And I'll pray for you and you pray for me. And I am positive that the Lord will bless. And I'm positive that He will guide and direct us in this next year as it comes up. With everyone to their feet, every head bowed and eye closed as we prepare to leave this morning. Before we do, I'm going to give you an opportunity to come to the altar if you'd like. There's something that's on your heart that you would like to come to the altar and pray about this morning. The altar is open for you. If it's about a matter of salvation, you want to get saved, I encourage you to come up here and you can say, Preacher, I want to know how to get saved this morning. Would you show me how to get saved? And either me or someone will come to you and show you from the Bible how you can know Christ as your personal Savior. up. Thank you for being here this morning. I pray the message was a blessing to you. Uh, it was a blessing to me to see you here today. Brother Glenn, would you dismiss this in prayer, please?